What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. Good morning. Welcome to Just the News AM. I am Carrie Sheffield. We have a lot to get to this morning. We are going to get to all of it. So let's get just right off the top. Yesterday afternoon, there was an unprecedented move in the United States Congress. The House impeached President Trump for a second time. This was a vote by 232 to 197. There were 10 Republicans who joined the Democrats to vote in favor of the impeachment on Wednesday. The list of those congressmen and women are Liz Cheney of Wyoming, the House GOP conference chair, Anthony Gonzalez of Ohio, Jamie Hara Butler of Washington, John Katko of New York, Adam Kinzinger of Illinois, Peter Mayer of Michigan, Dan Newhouse of Washington, Tom Rice of South Carolina, David Vallado of California, and Fred Upton of Michigan. So you've got 10 Republicans there under a lot of pressure from their own party here. There's been a lot of back and forth about whether this was purely a partisan move that this was something that the Democrats simply did because they have animus against the president. I spoke to a number of sources yesterday who said that the president is furious about what what happened with the second impeachment vote. But the president also believes that the move will backfire on the Democrats. And in fact, later in the show, we have a pollster who's been a pollster for the president's campaign, and he's now a pollster for the PAC for the president. He says that the polling in 17 battleground states confirms that, yes, Americans do not like this impeachment. They believe that this impeachment is very partisanly motivated and the Republicans who vote for this could face a penalty at the ballot box. Meanwhile, the president, he said nothing publicly about the impeachment yesterday. And in fact, he actually released a video that took a tone that was much more forward focused and really focused on preventing any violence next week at the inauguration. Take a listen. My fellow Americans, I want to speak to you tonight about the troubling events of the past week. As I have said, the incursion of the U.S. Capitol struck at the very heart of our Republic. It angered and appalled millions of Americans across the political spectrum. I want to be very clear. I unequivocally condemn the violence that we saw last week. Violence and vandalism have absolutely no place in our country and no place in our movement. Making America great again has always been about defending the rule of law, supporting the men and women of law enforcement, and upholding our nation's most sacred traditions and values. Mob violence goes against everything I believe in and everything our movement stands for. No true supporter of mine could ever endorse political violence. No true supporter of mine could ever disrespect law enforcement or our great American flag. No true supporter of mine could ever threaten or harass their fellow Americans. If you do any of these things, you are not supporting our movement. You are attacking it, and you are attacking our country. 
And that statement last night from the president drew the praise of Senator Lindsey Graham. Senator Graham has been a close confidant and supporter of the president, but he did condemn the violence and said the president could have done more to stop it. But Lindsey Graham says on Twitter, President Trump's statement tonight hit the mark. He rejected violence, unequivocally condemned those who defiled our capital, called for full accountability and emphasized those who engage in violence tarnish the movement. His speech helps move the country forward. Meanwhile, he moves on to talk about the impeachment, and he says the House impeached President Trump without a hearing or witness, and the Senate Democrats would be willing to continue this division and legitimize the House procedures. Senator McConnell's decision to withhold consent to start the trial before inauguration is the right call. Meanwhile, Mitch McConnell, that Senate Majority Leader, issued a statement, and he says that even if the Senate process were to begin this week and move promptly, no final verdict would be reached until after President Trump had left office. This is not a decision I am making. It is a fact. The president-elect himself stated last week that his inauguration on January 20th is the, quote, quickest path for any change in the occupants of the presidency. He goes on, Senator McConnell, to say that the focus should really be on having a transition of power that is peaceful next week with the inauguration. Well, Chuck Schumer, on the other side of the aisle, he issued his own statement, and he says, now that the House of Representatives has acted, the Senate will hold a fair trial on the impeachment of Donald J. Trump for his role in inciting the violent insurrection at the U.S. Capitol on January 6th and attempting to overturn a free and fair election. A Senate trial can begin immediately with agreement from the current Senate Majority Leader to reconvene the Senate for an emergency session, or it will begin after January 19th. But make no mistake, there will be an impeachment trial in the United States Senate. There will be a vote on convicting the president for high crimes and misdemeanors. And if the president is convicted, there will be a vote on barring him from running office for office again. Now, the word on the street, including from a Democrat, Senator Joe Manchin, who is a senator from West Virginia, a very red state, He says the president uh, will not be removed, that President Trump, there will be no conviction. The votes just simply aren't there. You need 67 votes in the Senate to, in this case, remove or later on to just convict. That's not going to happen. So let's move to a different topic, though. Just uh, if you and, and, and I and all of us here at Just the News are really wanting to understand what happened on Capitol Hill with that breach, the horrific breach, we dug in, we put in a FOIA request, and John Solomon, our founder, talked about this last night. This is going to make you upset. Take a look. What are we learning? What's the latest right now that we know from the interviews that we're doing with investigators, with police? So I've been told that some of the key security people in the Capitol, the sergeants of arms of the House and the Senate and the Capitol Police Chief, who all three who have resigned, yes. have had some contact, some form of interviews with the Metropolitan Police Department, mm-hmm. which is the lead investigative agent now. Yes. Uh, we FOIA'd those reports this morning, and we got our good colleague, Natalia uh, Minostato, stands right behind us yes. here. Yes. She got a response back almost instantly from the police department saying, we're not releasing the information, and here's why. It's going to be personally embarrassing, private, privacy invading to release these information. It doesn't make sense. Wow. These were public officials. Mm-hmm. Their job was security. What they told the police ought to be a matter of public record. We're going to fight for those documents. Yes. But something tells me what's in those documents has some very, very big relevance to what happened on the Hill. And the, the question I have yes. is what did Nancy Pelosi, what did Mitch McConnell yes. know about these threats beforehand? If they didn't know, it's an intelligence failure of the police. If they did know... There's something they didn't tell us before we went into this impeachment round today. 
Now, as John Solomon mentioned, our colleague Natalia Middleslot did an excellent job on putting in this FOIA request. And the response here, she sent me the response. They said that basically you can go and appeal this. You can talk to the mayor of D.C. or you can go to the courts. Um, and they say that it's basically, they said, it would constitute a uh, unwarranted invasion of personal privacy. Well, we need to know these facts. This is not an invasion of privacy. If you need to strike out something personal, do that. But the American people deserve to know what happened. We're going to keep digging on the story. All right, folks, we'll take a quick break. We'll be right back with Harmeet Dillon. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Good morning. Welcome back here to Just the News AM. I am Carrie Sheffield. So earlier I spoke with Harmeet Dillon. She's a, a member of the leadership for the Republican Party. The Republican Party had their winter break uh, or a joint session last week down in Florida. This happened right in the middle of the tragic shooting and the, and the uh, violence on Capitol Hill. Take a look. So thanks so much for joining us, Harmeet. We had the meeting last week down with the Republican winter meeting down in Florida. You were there on the ground. This has been a historic week with the assault on the Capitol, the impeachment of the president for a second time, an unprecedented impeachment vote. But just give us a sense of what was this down there last week? What was the sense? Because this was unfolding in real time with the assault on on Capitol Hill while the RNC meeting was happening. What was the sense among the attendees? Well, uh, our meeting started on um sort of Tuesday evening. And so, you know, it was a relatively positive mood. We were coming into an election meeting. So, and our members had had very little contact with each other last year, just one day to have our convention vote back in August. And so, um, you know, I would say the meeting started out pretty positive, but there was a lot of discussion about, given the loss in the election, where do we go from here and how do we best regroup as a party to focus on winning the midterms in 2022 and then winning back the White House in 2024? So so I would say that's how we started. And then, of course, as the news came in on Wednesday, um, you know, people were very shocked and appalled to see, uh, you know, the, the, the actions at the Capitol. You know, certainly not the president's speech itself, which I think people view as a First Amendment right of expression and there are a lot of supporters, mostly, I'd say most of the members of the RNC right now are strong supporters of the president. But in terms of the, the path forward, so it appears that Mitch McConnell, at least the New York Times was reporting, that Mitch McConnell seemed to be pleased by this move to impeachment. And word on the street is that he really wants to do a power play here, that he wants to, in many ways, oust the, the power broker of the Republican Party, oust President Trump, so that he would then fill that vacuum, that power vacuum. What is your read on that? What's the dynamic there between McConnell and Trump as the future of the GOP? Well, this has all changed very quickly, of course. We've had four years in which, uh, you know, both of our legislative leaders have been um, working closely with the president and uh, perceived at least as supporters of the president and allies of his. And so I I'm, I'm frankly don't know what to believe. Certainly when the New York Times reports uh, something, I take it with a grain of salt, given my own personal experience with the accuracy of that. 
And, uh, you know, we have heard this week uh, Mitch McConnell's office deny to conservative reporters that he is happy about the impeachment, that he uh, wants to get rid of President Trump as a leader in the party and so forth. So, you know, without having heard it from him directly, I, I frankly would take all of those claims of a power play with a grain of salt. Of course, we, we are, you know, going to see these events unfold. And, and of course, um, that will inform our view of this. And what about the money and the fundraising? Because that's a big piece of politics is the fundraising. Uh, Ron McDaniel, who was revoted as as the uh, head of the Republican Party, she's been a powerhouse fundraiser. But we're seeing some businesses who say they want to either revoke or just uh, in some cases they said they want a refund for Republican donations. If if Trump remains the head of and the face of the Republican Party, do you what do you think that might do to donations? Do you think business here is acting prematurely? I mean, there's a lot about this assault that we don't know in terms of uh, the lack of of uh, precautions that were taken by Speaker Pelosi and Leader McConnell to prevent this. Wow. Well, I think it's interesting to see the. Um orgy of cancellations of conservatives happening this week around the country, the corporate reactions, the certainly the social media censorship that has affected thousands of tens of thousands of us who are active on social media, maybe you know hundreds of thousands of followers. Um, I think that's very concerning from a free speech point of view. From the point of view of the corporate speech, of course, the corporations certainly have the right to support who they, uh, who they would, would like. I have a hard time believing that over the long term we are going to see American corporations cut off the party that represents half of the United States consistently, or sometimes more than half, sometimes less, but right there at half of America. They simply can't afford to write off half of America as a market. And so I view that uh, you know, sort of virtue signaling that we're seeing from corporate America as a very much of a temporary measure. Uh, they need to reach us as as um, consumers, they need to work with Republican lawmakers and future presidents as supporters and, you know, need to lobby them. And uh, so that's not going to go away. I, I, I think that's going to pass. Um, what, what may not pass for many years um, as we see this rush to impeachment is the divided nature of our country, which is becoming more divided by the cancellations, by the retribution, by the punishment of thought, uh, by the punishment of political belief, and by being castigated as somehow untouchable or um, othering conservatives. And I mean a broad swath of conservatives, people who did not support the president originally supported him in this recent election. Democrats supported him. Uh, lots of new voters, minorities, and, you know, uh, different sectors of our population supported him. We are going to divide our country and tell all of those people that they're not acceptable. I, I think that's a, a very bad development for America. And real quick, how, how do you differentiate and what's the message that you'll give to differentiate between the people who were there in good faith just to attend the rally? And you look at the text of the speech of the president. He said, walk over peaceably. He said later, I wanted a peaceful challenge here. What is the reaction and what's what's kind of the message here? Differentiate between those who were violent and invading compared to those peacefully. Well, I don't 
think that's very hard. Um, I have gone to court during this pandemic to protect the right of protesters to protest outside the California Capitol. I think that is a absolute civil right in our country dating back to before the formation of the United States. And raising up your voice in protest in a way that the lawmakers will hear it, i.e. effective protest, is a protected right, and I will go to court to protect that for anybody. But uh, you obviously cross the line when you uh, disobey police orders, when you break into a protected federal facility, and particularly when you do that in a manner that is uh, designed to threaten our lawmakers doing their sacred duty of confirming the results of an election. So the people who committed crimes at the Capitol, who broke into the building, who rioted there, who uh, went there with the intention of harming people, and who stole things and who went into the speaker's office and took her property, they should all be punished severely with criminal consequences. So I, I don't think that's a very hard call at all. But uh, for, for, for the mainstream media and, you know, even, frankly, people like Liz Cheney to describe people who went to hear a speech by the sitting president of the United States, which said, raise up your voices, not anything else, uh, to, to, to call that some form of sedition or insurrection or anything other than a patriotic act protected by the Constitution, I think that's despicable. And that is rewrites our Constitution, and that chills protected speech, and I won't stand for it. All right, Harmeet Dillon, thank you so much for this. We're going to take a quick commercial break and be right back. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. And we're joined again here by Harmeet Dillon. She's a Republican National Committee woman for the state of California. We appreciate it because she's very busy. She's going to federal court this week to defend religious liberties. She's here now. Again, we're talking about the future of the Republican Party, the path forward. So, Harmeet, in terms of looking at the, the, the message to people who were appalled by what happened on Capitol Hill, who say, wow, this is a wake-up call to our democracy, and they were concerned about the, the, the challenges. So over and over, we here at Just the News, we reported every legal challenge, looking at the statistical anomalies around the, the election and lots of questions around measures that happened with balloting and mail-in balloting and changes that happened very quickly because of COVID. There are lots of legal challenges. Uh, and, and for you, as someone who worked on the front lines of that and in all the legal battles, to see rioters acting in violence who said they wanted uh, the president to remain in office regardless of whether he was certified or not by the states. What does that say for you? How did this make you feel as someone who had worked so hard in the legal courts? Well, you know, we all have different views, and I, I have been a supporter of the president, and I also, um, last year prior to the actual election itself, uh, in, it was lawyer in some legal challenges, successful challenges in California, and helped in other ones. But, um, you know, in my view, 
the, the window to challenge the outcome of an election is a very narrow one. Uh, in fact, most of the work must be done before the election to prepare the groundwork. And then you have a Bush v. Gore situation where if the votes are very close, you can call for a recount and you can, you know, within a statutory framework, uh, have that with observers. But where you have gulfs of tens of thousands of votes and in some cases over 100,000, it's a, it's an impossible task to get a court after the fact to change those results. Do I think that uh, the election was uh, illegitimate in many regards? I do. I, I think that where, uh, where unelected local bureaucrats change the rules and refuse to enforce the existing law in those states, that's illegitimate. Where state Supreme Court changes the laws, like Pennsylvania, that's illegitimate. Where state officials and local officials refuse to uh, allow observers to observe what's going on in a county, like in Pennsylvania, that's illegitimate. And, you know, on and on. In Georgia, giving data of voters to private groups that are partisan, effectively, like the Zuckerberg, um, you know, voter project, uh, that's a betrayal, and we need to stop that happening in the future. However, you know, there's it's just like a game where you lose the game. There's a time, place, and manner to challenge it, and that time comes to an end. And so those challenges do not and should not occur ad infinitum. The vice president of the United States should never have the power to override what uh, electors have said and done, and I never thought that was his appropriate role. And so um, I, I think that uh, a lot of the unrest in this country over the past few weeks uh, has been fomented by uh, malicious forces. I think Lynn Wood is one of those who uh, called for things that are frankly not provided for under the Constitution, and, uh, and, and to disastrous result. We have had some actors that are nominally on the Republican side who, uh, you know, you, you almost looked at that and thought, my gosh, if they were working for the other side, they, they couldn't have been more effective to destroy unity and, you know, harmony as we go into a transition of our government. Um, so uh, as I see people rioting in our capital, I, I'm, I'm an immigrant. And in India, you kind of see these signs of violence around an election. It's sad. It's unfortunate. But other democracies have that, and it's appalling. And the United States lectures the rest of the world in how they should run their elections and so forth. And so I never want to see scenes like that in our country again. I did not want to see the scenes of violence. I didn't want, as a lawyer, I was horrified similarly to see assaults on a federal courthouse in Portland. I think that's the same kind of thing. It isn't the same as, as, as rioting in a city and looting a Gucci. It's an assault on our system of government. And so, um, so Harmeet, I, I, I want to ask you, um, you mentioned in the, uh, the previous segment, uh, you mentioned Liz Cheney. So Liz Cheney is the third-ranking Republican over in the House. She is the daughter of former Vice President Dick Cheney. And word is that the Cheney clan uh, is very much interested in seeing the Trump uh, face President Trump not being the legacy or the future of the, the GOP. What do you think is going to be the future of this schism with Liz Cheney? You have one, at least one House member calling for her to resign because, or resign her leadership role because she said that she will vote for the impeachment of the president. What do you think of the schism going forward? Who is going to be the face of the Republican Party? Well, I think, yes, what you are seeing is what happens in a vacuum of power, which is all the pretenders rush in to stake their claim. Liz Cheney is obviously one such pretender. I think you are going to see some supporters of the president change their 
faces or drop their masks and, uh, you know, betray what their voters have wanted and voted them into power for because of their support of the president. And so, yes, that is going to happen right now. And that is happening, frankly, at the, at the RNC as well. There are people who supported the president all along who don't support him suddenly. And, um, you know, that's that's their right. I mean, people change their behavior. People, you know, lose their status and people change their support accordingly. I do not think that the voters, 74, 5 million almost, who voted for President Trump are going to like seeing Republican leaders do such a rapid about face. Tell them that listening to a rally by the president where he urges peaceful protest is some form of sedition, because what she is saying and what others are saying, Republican side, who are calling for his removal uh, in this brutal and, frankly, uh, fascistic way by, you know, suggesting that he may never run for office again as president, they're repudiating those voters. And there were many people, Americans, loyal, patriotic Americans, who went to Washington to show their voice of protest who are being repudiated by these Republican leaders. They're making a terrible mistake. I don't support that. And I think that this is actually going to hasten the end of the Liz Cheney wing of our party. And then there will be a fight for who the messengers are who lead the party in the next two years. I don't think it's going to be people who waffled and took both sides of this. I don't think it's going to be people who condemned peaceful protest. Um, I think we're going to have to find a way that uh, we stand up for the values that the president has stood for historically. The voters that the president has brought into the party it is certainly job one at the RNC to retain those voters. And, you know, how you retain those voters while condemning them effectively, you cannot. So I, I do not support that wing of the party that calls for purges and retribution and condemning peaceful protests. All right, Harmeet Dillon, Republican National Committee woman from California, thank you so much. My pleasure. And I want to pick back up on something that Harmeet mentioned. She said what happened over the summer in 2020 was also an assault on our democracy because you had rioters. And it's interesting because Democrats, including a Democrat who's been a guest on my show, he said you can't compare what happened with the violence and the death and the riots with the Black Lives Matter supporters and the Antifa supporters to what happened at the Capitol Hill because at the Capitol Hill, they said this was an assault on democracy. They said this was an assault and it was an insurrection on the vote, the electoral college votes. Look, both are equally condemnable. They are both horrific attacks, not only on our government, but on the entire Western civilization. That is what BLM, that is what Antifa wants. They want the destruction of Western civilization, not just the destruction of the United States of America. The other thing is they attacked the White House. President Trump had to go to his bunker because of them. That's an assault. We'll be right back. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Morning. Welcome back here to Just the News AM. I am Carrie Sheffield. Glad you're with us. We're going to keep talking about this debate about a schism within the Republican Party. What does the Republican Party do moving forward? Joining me is Merlin Carson. She is the CEO of Meridian. Good morning. 
Good morning, Carrie. Great to be here. So I want to start by reading a couple of tweets here. First from uh, a reporter at Politico. She mentions this is new from the uh, responses. So Liz Cheney is responding to calls for her to resign from leadership because she led the Republican charge to impeach the president. Ten Republicans voted to impeach President Trump yesterday. She says, I'm not going anywhere, she tells me in the Capitol. This is a vote of conscience. It's one where there are different views in our conference. But our, not, our nation is facing an unprecedented, since the Civil War, constitutional crisis. That's what we need to be focused on. That's where our efforts and attention need to be. Now, people like Jim Jordan, he's a very outspoken congressman, has called for Liz Cheney to resign from leadership. We saw in the segment just before the break, the, uh, a member of the RNC, a councilwoman, she said that she believes that Liz Cheney will lose her leadership eventually and that the Liz Cheney wing of the party will diminish by this impeachment vote. But Dan Crenshaw, on the other side of things, came to Liz Cheney's defense. He's a congressman from Texas, very outspoken as well. He did not vote for impeachment, but he did defend Liz Cheney. And he says, let's get some truth on the record. Liz Cheney has a hell of a lot more backbone than most and is a principled leader with a fierce intellect. She will continue to be a much-needed leader in the conference with my full support. We can disagree without tearing each other apart. All right, so where do you come down on this, Merlin? What's the path forward for the GOP? Well, first of all, I think everything that's happening right now is just appalling. Um, I can't believe the Democrats run to impeachment as their first course of anything. You know, I, I actually went back and reread the transcripts that the president said, and you know, he called for a peaceful protest. So for for the Democrats and the Republicans to all of a sudden, you know, just go against this this verbal and, and go into impeachment is just it's a little it's ridiculous. And I and I love that you know there were there were representatives like Matt Gates from Florida and Lauren. Bob who 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 talked about the double standards that ex exist right now and I can't you know I'm 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 disappointed in those 10 Republicans that actually voted to impeach um just based on that where were they when all the other chaos and riots were happening what happened then if, if that's if, if this is an impeachable offense then you know our president-elect and um the vice president-elect and and the congress people you know need to be held accountable for everything that they said over the summer I think the Republicans need to take a look. And I do not, I don't think Liz Cheney is a good leader. And I, I think she should resign. She doesn't represent, 10 people don't represent the Republican Party. And what about the fundraising future? Because you're, uh, you, know, you have a powerhouse business. You do a lot with lobbying and engagement on policy. You work with a lot of business leaders. What's your sense among these business leaders? Because we've heard from a lot of corporations who say they're scaling back the Republican donations. They're appalled by it. Do you think this is just a temporary kind of, uh, you know, just cringing moment and they'll be back? What are you hearing as far as donations in the future of the GOP? So I've been tracking some of that, you know, um, I think there are some that said there's going to be a six month lapse and then there's there's some that said they're going to cancel it for both. You know, one thing I think we, we forget is the Republicans showed this election that they are a party of grassroots, right? They were a party of minorities. They're a party of people that average Americans. They weren't a party of big tech. And that's what the Democrats show. The money is coming from large corporations and um, these big techs. And look at what the Republicans are raising money. We are reaching out to, and I think we need to build on that. I think President Trump's done a great job in terms of reaching out to the minority. Our minority votes have gone up. And I think the Republicans need to step back, realize what our policies are, and really kind of engage that base again. Um, and I think that's what our bill should be. We are the party of the people, and that's what we need to show.
And what about the, I know you were involved with the Trump campaign with outreach for Indian Americans for Trump. We saw historic gains among black and Latino, Asian, minority voters for the Republican Party to levels not seen since 1960. This was a generational shift that we saw just in this election that just happened with support for the president. How do you think the calculus of what happened last week affects things and how are you positioning the party going forward? I think even in the Indian Americans, so I was part of a few different um, coalitions, even in the Indian Americans, we saw a difference in from 2016 to 2020 with the amount of vote that we got for the Republicans. Um, and I, and I, again, I think we, we need to, we need to really embrace that and really focus on that. Um, and, I, and I'm hoping that, you know, we have some leadership change. And we are also, we, I think we also need to do a better job of engaging more with the minorities. We need more people that are from diverse backgrounds. And I think that's what the call is for now. And how, so what's interesting is that uh, Republicans and conservatives are always saying, hey, we're not about identity politics. This is really about being a unified country. It's not about dividing people by race. So how do you think about that as you're engaging with minority communities? How, how does the country move forward to not be fractured on the lines of race, but also know how to communicate and reach out to groups and, and really get a broad coalition? Well, I think the Democrats do a very good job, and I, and I hate that they do this. They they bring the race card and everything, and they make it a victim card, right? It's it's your skin color that determines what you. And I and I love like people like my father-in-law and and Larry Elder who have come beyond that to say no, that's that's not what America is about. And I think we need role models that we can focus on that that are like that that have been able to go beyond the poverty, go beyond their skin color and not be a victim. And the Democrats are too comfortable with that. And, you know, me as being married to an African-American and having children, like that's very important to me. I don't want my children to be a victim of their, no, they need to be based, it has to be based on their caliber. And I think that's what we need to focus on. And when I say the minority re outreach, I don't mean just because they're minorities. I mean, because there are so many good people out there that are highly educated, that have great opinions, that come from diverse backgrounds. That's what we need to embrace. All right, Merlin Carson, thanks so much for joining us. We always appreciate your perspective. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Enjoy that sunny weather down there in West Palm Beach. I'm pretty jealous. Freezing up here in, in D.C., our nation's capital, where everything's boarded up. Uh, we'll make it through. We're so close. We're so close to the inauguration, folks. All right, we're going to be right back. I've got a pollster from the Trump campaign, and now he's moved on to the president's PAC. He's going to join me to talk about polling. What do the American people actually think about what happened with impeachment? Stay tuned. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm -mm -mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Morning and welcome back here to Just the News AM. I am Carrie Sheffield. Well, what do the American people themselves actually think about what happened with the impeachment? You know what the media thinks. You know what the media here in the Beltway thinks. They were cheerleading it from the beginning. Well, what about people who actually live outside the Beltway and in real America? This is Real America's Voice, after all. Joining me to discuss this is pollster John McLaughlin. He just did some polling fresh off the, the, press, the press here. Uh, tell us what you found. Well, there's a big disconnect between inside the Beltway and outside the Beltway again. And first of all, I just want to preface this. What happened in the Capitol last week was terrible. And I'm uh, the grandson of two New York City police officers. And uh, I grew up with my mom talking about when her 
father was shot and he fortunately lived, but he, it was a terrible thing for the family at the time. But so you can absolutely. really simplify. I mean, horrific traitors. The folks who did this, the assault, they're, they're traitors to this country. Absolutely. Yeah. We all shared that outrage. And 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 so anyway, but outside the Beltway, people like people around the country have been living with this with this violence or this tension for months. So wherever you go around the country, uh, the sad part is whether it's Raleigh, New York, North Carolina or Indianapolis or Richmond or, or out west. The cities have been shut down because of violence. So it didn't surprise people, but they were really upset by it. And 89 percent of all voters, we did a poll Sunday, Monday uh, for the president's pack. And to, and to be clear, this was Sunday, Monday. So this was after the assault on the Capitol. Assault yes. happens Wednesday. You guys polled days later on Sunday and Monday, just to point it out. Yes. And it was 800 uh, battleground voters. So battleground states. So it was in the 17 states that decided the election. And 89% want a peaceful and orderly transition. 70% say it's very important that we have a peaceful and orderly transition. So it's not just overwhelming, but it's also intense. But also, you had three quarters of the voters saying that they should be, 73% were saying we should be dealing with the coronavirus, getting out the vaccines, getting the economy going. And only 23% wanted to, uh, it was 77% to 23%. They wanted uh, the impeachment to go forward. So it's three to one. People think this is a waste of time and money. You had three quarters of voters agreeing with that statement. And and voters were actually saying that they were less likely to vote for members of Congress if they voted for this, 48% to 36%. And it was 80% of Trump voters, as you have on the screen, 76% of Republicans less likely to vote for a member of Congress who votes for impeachment. So they don't want this. They, they see it as counterproductive. 65% to 35%. They say that they see Joe Biden and Nancy Pelosi as dividing the country on this. They also think it's politically motivated, three quarters of the voters, that basically what they're doing is they're trying to stop Donald Trump from running again. They're trying to take away his Secret Service protection. They're trying to uh, uh, not ha let him have his presidential library. So they see this as a total political motivation, which parallels with the other results in there where we had big tech uh, three quarters of the voters think that if big tech can take away the president's right to free speech, they can also take away any American's right to free speech. And, and, and so, John, you were the uh, you were the pollster, one of the pollsters for the president's campaign in 2020. And now you did this. You conducted this poll on behalf of the president's PAC. I want to mention also that you found that President Trump had a 49 percent job approval rating in these swing states. And you also found this was striking the generic vote for Congress. This is post assault favors the Republicans over the Democrats, 49% to 42%, really striking. But while we have you here, John, I wanna to move to another topic, which is your competitors, other pollsters. I know you have very strong feelings about this. I wanna put a poll up on screen from CBS News. And they found the exact opposite of what you found. You said that three to one voters in battleground states do not prefer impeachment over coronavirus and dealing with other issues. This says that majority back impeachment and are, and are concerned about more D.C. violence. And so the poll by CBS, it says even as they widely condemned the violence at the Capitol last week, Americans say that there could be more in the days to come. Seventy four percent think at least somewhat likely that there could be more acts of violence attempted next week. So when this poll says that the majority back impeachment and your polling says otherwise, what's this disconnect here? Well, I'll tell you what the big disconnect is. There was, there was a series of these media polls who were wrong during the year, were predicting a Biden landslide and a blue wave. And I got beat up all year 
by CNN, by Chris Cuomo in primetime. They were saying, you know, back in June that I was telling them that their poll demographics were skewed, that the Republicans were 33 percent in the last two national elections, according to media exit polls. And they were under polling Republicans and under polling Trump voters on purpose because the president got over 90 percent of the support from Republicans. So the CBS poll, guess what they have is as a percent of Republicans in it. Not 36, which the media polls had on election day this year, but they had 25%. That's an 11-point partisan skew, reducing the Republican vote. And guess how many Trump voters they had in the poll? 28%. That's We had 47% of the national vote, and we won the popular vote in the battleground states. And they do this with a straight face, and they carry the headlines. And you had it wasn't just them. You had The Economist with skewed polls. You had uh, uh, Politico, Morning Consult with skewed polls. They're underpolling Trump voters and they're underpolling uh, Republicans so that they can make it seem like it was politically popular to impeach the president. And the voters don't want this. They want to deal with real problems. They want to move on. The president has less than a week to serve in office, and he's focused on a peaceful and orderly transition and making sure there's no violence and there's no... Uh, political uh, partisanship and, and polarization and they're just they just keep coming and the media helps them and and not this this media but certainly the mainstream media and big tech are uh, uh, you know they're censoring our point of views and then they're uh, uh, then they're putting out skewed polls uh, right. to further their point of view John McLaughlin we always appreciate your perspective thanks so much for your time this morning Gary keep up the great work thank you thank you all right, we'll be right back. He mentioned CNN. We've got to take on someone from CNN after the break. Welcome to Fail Better, David Duchovny's new podcast with Lemonada Media. On Fail Better, David, who has experienced both low and high profile failures throughout his life, explores the vast world of failure, how it holds us back propels us forward, and ultimately shapes our lives. Each week, he'll chat with guests like Ben Stiller, Bette Midler, and more about how our perceived failures have actually been our biggest catalysts for growth, revelation, and even healing. Through these conversations, he hopes listeners can learn how to embrace the opportunity of failure and fail better together. Fail Better is out now wherever you get your podcasts. Good morning. Welcome back here to Just the News AM. I'm Carrie Sheffield and glad that you're with us. Well, one of the things that we pride ourselves here at Just the News and at Real America's Voice is the fact that we are talking to people outside of the elite Beltway bubble here. But there is a bubble dweller here. You've probably seen him on CNN, Jake Tapper. Watch this. Congressman Brian Mast, mm -hmm. a Republican from Florida who lost his legs, by the way, fighting for democracy abroad. Mm -hmm. Although I don't know what is I don't know about his commitment to it here in the United States. So, yeah, there, there you have an anchor from CNN verbally assaulting a member of Congress who lost both his legs in combat serving. He's a veteran. He served. Um, it's just it, 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 it fits. It, it fits everything we know about CNN. The fact that CNN is more interested in partisan points here um, than actual uh, substance that to go after a veteran like this 
who put his life on the line for all of us. He put his life on the line for Jake Tapper to be able to spew what he's spewing here. And when you look at the overwhelming number of Republicans who agreed with this congressman who lost his legs, uh, Jake Tapper chooses to single out this individual. Uh, it's truly, truly despicable. And Jake Tapper, please, I mean, you can really do better than this. All right, that does, does it for us here at Just the News AM. Stay tuned, War Room is coming up next.